Well, well, well. Hi. Oh, yeah. I just want to say it's nice to see you guys. Most of you look pretty good. And uh, I'm just happy that uh, there's a lot of kids here. I'm happy that uh, there's a lot of kids and families checking us out online. I know that I have a lot of people here and online who are not necessarily church people, not necessarily God people. I just want to say thank you for giving me a shot. And uh, I've been praying for you. I'm glad you're here. And uh, this is a good place to be. I'm glad we were all able to make it out. I'm looking forward to summer. <laughs> when you live in Wisconsin, winters are seven months long, and it's easy to look forward to summer. I like baseball. I'm finding that it's hard to find people that like baseball around here. But I do like baseball. My brothers and my dad and I were in the process of hitting every baseball stadium, and we're getting close to the halfway mark. Every year, did a butterfly just go past? Just take that as a sign of the Holy Spirit in a good way. And uh, last year, our trip got canceled. A lot of things got canceled last year. And, uh, but we got, we're getting tickets this year, and I figured, man, if they can play basketball, and they can play football, and they can play hockey, we can certainly play some baseball. So we're going to pick it up this year. And uh, this year, uh, this last week, actually, there's some sad news in the baseball land. One, the Brewers changed the name of their stadium. I'm not even sure what the, it's not Miller Park anymore. It's American Family Field. You know what? I grew up in Chicago, and the Willis Tower is always going to be Sears Tower. And I have a feeling that Miller Park's always going to be Miller Park. Unless you're really old, then it's County Stadium. Sorry, the old people can't hear me, so I had to talk louder. So anyway, <laughs> I got to keep track of all of these dynamics here. <clears throat> Another more sad uh, situation that happened this last week is that uh, Hank Aaron died. And uh, how many got to watch Hank Aaron back in the younger days? Wow, what a great name in baseball. What a great feat. What, what wrists, man. That, you could just count on him for hits, home runs. He was amazing. And uh, I will miss him. It just makes me realize how frail our life is and how wonderful it is to have people in our lives that we might not ever meet, but we can glean from what they do. So I'm going to give you some baseball names, see if you recognize them. Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Ryan Braun, Ken Griffey Jr. I know that some of those are familiar to most of us. Do you recognize them? What do they have in common? They are all in the record books in baseball. They broke records for the most times on base, getting the most hits, the most home runs. But you know there are some records that they also broke that most people don't think about or even know about. They're also on the list of players who got the most strikeouts. Some of the greatest athletes have made some of the biggest failures. We could spend a week looking at Brett Favre's incredible, crazy, risky, gutsy plays and just be like, man, only Brett Favre would have the guts to pull that off. Only Brett Favre could thread the needle like that. Only Brett Favre would risk everything for that win. And you know what? We could also spend a week looking at Brett Favre's <laughs> games that got blown because of race, risky, reckless stuff that didn't pan out the way it did. But we remember the amazing years that our Packers quarterback gave us. We remember those amazing plays, those amazing games, those amazing times. And you know what? He would not have been such an amazing player if he wasn't willing to take some of those risks. He was a strong man and a powerful player. And he had to take some risks in order to make those records that he made. Like us, sometimes doing great things only happens by making a lot of mistakes. I've made a lot of mistakes. Often, in our quest to get ahead in life, we make some messes along the way. This is why I've titled our time this morning, Making Messes and Taking Ground. I want to take ground for Jesus. I want to do something great for God in this world. I want to love people. I want to make a difference. I want to be the change that I'm hoping to see in our country. I want to start with me. 
Greatness and influence requires risk. But I want to be willing to take that risk. And one of the biggest risks that sometimes we're not willing to take is making mistakes, especially the mistakes and the messes that go public. So we get all conservative, we get all calculated, and we get all controlled, and it limits our influence because we're not willing to make the right messes headed in the right direction to take ground. What does it mean to take ground? To do something great, to make an impact in people's lives, to invest into something greater than yourself, to trust in God for something that you can't do in your own strength. That's the place that I want to live. And you know what? When you do that, you're going to make messes along the way. I've been in Pastor Tom's office several times, several times to share vision, several times to cast vision for what I want to do in this next year, in this next five years. I want to talk to him about marriages and families and the things that I think God wants to do in the lives of our children and our church and our community and our neighborhood and our country, and I just have a lot of ideas. I've also been in Pastor Tom's office several times when he's called me into his office. I want to take a lot of ground. I want to do a lot of good things. I want to believe that God can do greater things than I can do for myself and through my own strength. But sometimes you get blind spots. Sometimes you make messes. Sometimes you get called to the boss's office. And Tom has always been filled with grace. And I always know I'm a little bit in trouble when the first thing out of his mouth is, bro, I love your heart. Dot, dot, dot. So if Pastor Tom or any of us, you know, say, hey, I love your heart, you know that the hammer's about to fall somewhere, and you probably deserve it. Well, we should not be afraid to make a few messes. And I don't want to encourage us to just go out and get messy and make mistakes and do things that we're going to regret just to make a name for ourselves. No, we're not doing this for ourselves. We're doing this to make a name for the kingdom of God and his son, Jesus. And if we're going to do great things for God, and if he's going to do great things through us, I want us to not be afraid to make messes, as long as they're the right messes heading in the right direction, trusting in God's grace and his mercy and his love and his power to see us through. So, Let's have grace for each other as we're all in the process of making messes. And let's not keep our messes so private that we isolate ourselves. Let's be willing to make the right messes so that God can take some serious ground in people's lives and in the world around us through you and me. Deal? All right. I'm going to pray. I just thought I'd tell you that. I've been watching golf on TV, and they, they announce everything, so... I'm going to take a drink from my mug now. You're going to laugh for no reason. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for this place. Thank you for the safe travel that got us here. Thank you for those who are all around who we make messes. I want to pray for there to be a freedom from guilt and shame and regret, that we would be empowered by your spirit for your purposes and surrendered to your will to do amazing things. And I pray that you wouldn't let the things that crush us and the things that weaken us, I pray that you wouldn't let those shadows overtake the purposes that you have created us for. And I pray that there would be a fresh revelation of the purposes of God in each one of our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week, we were in Joshua chapter 1. Moses did some great things for God. I mean, he wrote the first bunch of books in the Bible. I mean, that's, that's saying something. Uh, but Moses made a lot of messes as well. Messes, poor choices, mistakes, regrets, rash decisions, offensive things, hurtful things. But as Moses got old it became time for Joshua to take the lead. And Moses took a lot of ground for the kingdom of God. He took a lot of ground for God's name's sake. And now Joshua, can you imagine filling Moses' shoes? What? That's crazy. Ain't nobody going to want to listen to me. Joshua, what a dumb name. Where's Moses? You know, 
Come on! But Joshua had spent a lot of time underneath Moses' influence and Moses' teaching and mentoring. And Joshua was the man chosen, not only by Moses, but by God, to take the lead. God did great things through Moses, and God's enemies were scared. Joshua had some big shoes to fill and some serious ground to take. All right, there are two verses in Proverbs that I'm going to use uh, throughout our time today as we look through Joshua 2. The first is Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord. Ooh. Wisdom. I like wisdom. I don't know about the fear of the Lord, but I, I like wisdom. And then the next one, Proverbs 8.35. Those who find wisdom find life and receive favor from the Lord. I like life. I like favor from the Lord. Yes. I like God to take care of me. I like to know that God is with me. God is for me. I like life in God. I like wisdom. But all of this hinders, hinders, hinges on the fear of the Lord. So we're going to talk about what this looks like to get the life that we're after, that is filled with God's favor, God's wisdom, God's protection, and God's blessing. But it comes down to the foundation of the fear of the Lord. Get to that in a moment. God promised his people that they would inherit the land. It's just a little review. God wanted to partner with Joshua and the people in taking that land. Originally, Moses sent out 12 spies to, take, to check out the land that God had promised to them. The spies came back and they observed two things. First, the land that God has promised us is beautiful and fruitful. Yeah! And then 10 of these 12 spies said that the people who inhabited the land were huge and powerful. When the 12 spies came back and gave their report, 10 of them were scared, saying it would be foolish to go into this land against such a strong and able army that occupied that land. However, there were two spies out of those 12 that said they would be foolish not to go into the land. This is the land that God has promised us. And they wanted to take what God had already promised to give them. They couldn't wait to go into that land. Joshua and Caleb, they weren't being gutsy and aggressive because of what they thought they could do in their own strength, but what they knew God could do. They knew that God had given some promises. And when those ten spies came back, they must have been like, well, maybe God, maybe we missed the promise because, man, it sure doesn't look good from this vantage point. God's promises are yes and amen. God's promises will happen. Sometimes we need to fight for God's promises because God wants to partner with us in seeing the promises revealed. Sometimes we don't see exactly what God has promised us because it's not time. Sometimes we need to press in and see what God's heart is and what the mind of Christ is and see what the Word of God says so that we can press in to see those promises revealed. God longs to partner with us. Can you imagine the God who created the universe, the all-powerful, almighty God, wants to partner with you, little you, little me, to do great things on the earth, to change the course of eternity by the power of His Spirit in the name of Jesus? I want to say yes to that business. Man, no kidding. I want to be part of that action. All right, we're going to get into the text here. Joshua chapter 2. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia. He instructed them, spy out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. Now, of course, the word prostitute is in our family Sunday in the very first verse. Let me just tell you how we do this in kids' church. Here's what a prostitute is. A lot of people, a lot of ladies, they marry. They get married. They have a family. Prostitute is someone who never got married. In fact, she just has a lot of boyfriends. And once in a while, those boyfriends are actually husbands of other people's wives. And that's not cool. So a prostitute was kind of naughty. And there were a lot of her boyfriends coming in and, that, in and out of that place where she lived a lot. So it was kind of wise 
for the spies to go there because, hey, no big deal. There's all kinds of guys coming in and out of there. So that was where they went. They stayed at the house of Rahab that night. Now, spies go into a land, and they're kind of like scouts. They're checking things out, and they want to be wise before they go in and just take the land. I got a picture of a guy who uh, um, is climbing without any safety equipment. This is in Devil's Lake, Wisconsin, and there are a lot of other people using belays and ropes and all kinds of safety guides in case they fall. Not this guy. This guy, for one thing, what the heck is that long hair all about? This is me. So, if you've never, if you're not friends with me on Facebook, consider yourself lucky. Um, but uh, this is me at Devil's Lake. This is a picture that my wife, who was then my girlfriend, did not want to take. She's like, if it will get you to come down, I will take that picture. I was being a little foolish. I was focusing on myself. Okay, we can take that down. I'm done focusing on myself. Don't quote me on that, Tom. <laughs> it is important to have a healthy respect for the peril that could have awaited me there as I was posing for this picture. But it is a cool picture. But it's probably not the wisest thing to do. Strength and courage are dangerous things if they are not partnered with wisdom. And we get wisdom by fearing the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I love wisdom. I'll tell you what, we get a chance to talk with a lot of people, to do counseling with many people, to meet, to do... I meet with couples, I meet with kids, I meet with teenagers, I meet with whole families, and there's so many uh, difficult situations going on around us, and, and 2020 was not necessarily a helper in all of those things, but it actually magnified and made some of those things intensified and worse. And so I've been talking to a lot of people, and you know what? I have realized that I am not a fixer. I am not here to be a fixer. I am here to be a pointer. I can point to Jesus. I can point to truth. And whatever people do with that truth and that wisdom is up to them and not on me. Now, that might sound cold-hearted, but people are like, how can you experience all of these things and all of these desperate and dire situations and all of these horrible things that people have going on without letting it crush you? How do you go home and watch Netflix at night and just eat without all of the weight of the world being born upon your shoulders. And so I said, well, that's great. I just turned the volume up. No. <laughs> um, but you know what? Because our problems are for him, the Lord. They're not for one of, they're not for each other. We're supposed to walk with each other through difficult times, but we are not the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. And I love being a student of God's word, and I love it because I can distribute wisdom because I'm just pointing to what God says, what he has done, and what he's promised he will do. And I want to lead people upon that path to find those things for themselves. So, I got to drive a Ferrari. I have a friend. I got friends in high places. And so, this was last year. This is one of my highlights of the COVID season um, <clears throat> so far. Uh, but he said, hey, I know you're in the area. You want to take my car out for the afternoon? I said, well, let me pray and fast about it. Sure, I'll be right over. Um, <clears throat> and he said, hey, I just got two things to tell you. Well, three things. Have fun. Any speeding tickets are your responsibility. And do not step on that gas until your wheels are straight. He said, if you step on that gas and those wheels are turned, he's like, that thing has so much horsepower that you will spin out and end up in a ditch or off the side of a cliff in no time. But have fun. <laughs> so I did. I had a lot of fun. And I saw what he meant. You take a turn, and it's just so easy to just... Bah! But man, if your wheels are not straight and you get on that thing you will have a $200,000 accident and uh, perhaps some prison time awaiting you. <clears throat> and I wasn't fond of either of those options, so I 
made sure that I took care of the business. The fear of the Lord. I had a healthy fear of what this car could do. I did not have a healthy fear of falling off of that mountain. Younger days. The fear of the Lord should not be confused with the spirit of fear. Okay, we can, we can turn this off. I'll be signing autographs out in the lobby later. Um, I just want to talk about the fear of the Lord because it can be a little... It's a weird word, fear. We think of fear and we think of being scared, afraid. The fear of the Lord should not be confused with the spirit of fear. The fear of the Lord does not mean that we are scared of God, but that we are intensely aware of how awesome he is. Now, growing up, um, our kids, I tried to reserve the word awesome for things related to God. Even myself and my wife and our kids would be like, oh, that's awesome, and I'd, I'd be quick to correct us, even myself. Like, no, only God is awesome. It's just a semantics thing, but we want to stand in awe of God, who is like no other. The person who is scared of God has something to hide from God. The person who fears God has nothing to hide. In fact, the person who fears the Lord is scared to be away from God. The person who fears God wants what God wants. This is something that I have to work on, and I've had to work on for quite some time. I want to want what God wants. God is so powerful, so holy, and so awesome that I would not dare to run away from him. Instead, when someone fears the Lord, their default mode is to run towards him. Sometimes I've always wanted my kids to be able to, to want to call me when they're in trouble, not to think, I'm in trouble with dad. I'm in bigger trouble with dad. I'm not going to call him. And I, I don't know where we stand with that, but I know that there has been times over the years where my kids have gotten into awkward and unfortunate situations and been places that they didn't want to be, and I would get a call or a text. And even if they were someplace that they knew they shouldn't have been or there at a time that they shouldn't have been there, they knew that they could come to me because I was more concerned about them, their safety, my favor upon them. And I'm so thankful that they contacted me instead of hiding it from me. Now I know that in 20 years I'll find out all the things that they hid from me <laughs> at my funeral. <laughs> the biggest laugh comes when I'm talking about my funeral. Are you kidding me? Over the years, I have discovered the wisdom and the fear of the Lord in my life. I began to seek God's face, surrender to his will, and submit to his plan. So I want to talk about those things. The fear of the Lord involves seeking God's face, getting to know Jesus. We learn about who God is by reading the word and being around other people who are on the journey towards Jesus in a way that we aren't quite at yet. Be around other people who are pursuing God, who are modeling the character of Jesus. Seek God's face in his word, in the community of other Christians, and get to know Jesus. The more we get to know him, the more we become like him. My wife and I can finish each other's sentences. We can start each other's sentences now. I mean, it's really uh, kind of annoying, actually. Um, but we do it. I mean, we used to be able to finish each other's sentences. Now we know what each other's going to say, and we just, yeah, got that. The Bible talks about trembling at the Word of God. I want to read the Word of God in such a way that I am aware of God's awesomeness. There's a picture of my, my dad and myself and my son. This is in our garage, and I know many of you dudes have been there. Um, but my dad has put down some hard rules and consequences on me over the years. And I have put down some hard rules and hard consequences on my son over the years. 
But we love each other because we know that our hearts are for one another. And we know that the authority comes with love. So we seek God's face, and what's happening is we are becoming like our dads. And sometimes we don't want to admit it, but it's pretty special. Okay, we're going to continue in, chapter, in verse 2 and 3. But So the spies went in. Someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house. They are spies sent here to discover the best way to attack us. See, Joshua feared God, and as he was seeking God's face, God's will gave him wisdom. Fearing the Lord means surrendering to God's will. And the spies went in, risking their lives. And their devotion to this mission was great because they knew what God had already promised, and they were ready to fight to take hold of it. This morning, our whole neighborhood was shoveling and snowblowing, and I did not want to get out there, but I realized I was never going to get here if I didn't do it. So we were out there, and I just didn't feel very neighborly today. I mean, you know what I mean? The last time I waved at my neighbor while I was uh, snowblowing, I almost cut off my foot. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not a gear guy. I've got to keep both of my hands on this sucker. Um, but, I mean, there's a guy across the street. He's got one of those John Deere riding mowers. This other guy, he's got this snowblower that's 20 years old, but it looks brand new because he knows how to take care of it. I've got a snowblower that's two years old, and it looks like it should be sold for 10 bucks at a garage sale because I'm not sure how all this stuff's supposed to work. But I got it started. And my wife came out and started shoveling behind me, and I think she was just trying to make me happy. But I'm just grateful that... And here we are. We're all out there with one mission... But we all look different doing it our own way. So there's a photo that I want to show you that I love. And it's, I love this for so many reasons. It just says so many things about the uniqueness of people, the color of people's skin, what we see on the outside and what God created us to do is more important than what we can see on the outside. Scripture says that the... Humans, we look at the outside appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So here we are, each one of us, out there this morning, getting rid of snow in our own way, but we're all getting rid of it, and we're all doing it with a little bit of a smile, and there's a little bit of community happening. God has made each one of us unique in the kingdom of God, but those uniquenesses shouldn't isolate us. They should actually enhance our ability to do what God has made us to do in the way that he made us to do it. So I have a question. Are we willing to risk the consequences like the spies of becoming who God created us to be and doing what God is inviting us to do? Sometimes these messes that we make can be public. These spies were risking their own lives to see if the land was ready to be inhabited. Continuing in verse 4, Rahab who had hidden the two men, replied, Well, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the city at dusk, as the gates were about to close, and I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. She had gotten really good at lying over the years. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath piles of flax. Now, we all know if we want something hidden around the house pull out the piles of flax, and nobody will, you know, touch it. Apparently, that was an important situation. The fear of the Lord involves submitting to God's plan. Joshua knew that God had given this land as a promise, but he knew that they hadn't taken the land yet. But he submitted to the Lord's plan and was willing to die for God's promises to be revealed. This is a difficult thing. When I was a teenager, I was not a very pleasant teenager. I mean, I could schmooze everybody at work and church, but when I was home, I was, oh man, I was such a punk. 
to my dad especially, my dad is a good guy. And he didn't have a ton of rules. And he was very calm and peaceful. It was like being married, being married, being like a son to Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, who was very consistent. And I had everything I needed at home. My friends loved to come over because they loved my parents. But I just despised authority. And I would be grounded. I would have things taken away. I would have my door removed from the hinges to my bedroom. I would have the keys taken away to the car. I would have, I would be taken off my parents' insurance policy. And I just, every time my dad put another consequence down there, I just got more and more mad at him. And he said, David, you don't know how good your life would be if you would just get with the program. And I couldn't stand when he said that because I knew it was true. I knew that all this stuff that was happening to me was because of me. It was because of the choices that I was making, the messes that I was making, the mistakes that I was doing, the regrets that I was having. I felt guilty. You know why? Because I was guilty. And I watched my brother just rise up, and he had everything that he needed. He had all the love, he had all the favor from dad, and all the blessing, and, and he had something that I didn't, a smile. And he had freedom. My dad stripped my freedom when he took my smile. And then he said, your life would be so good. Your life would be just like Mark's if you would just get with the program. Darn program. My fault. <sighs> Jesus wants to shine through us. Here's a picture that I had to do a double take on. What does that say? <laughs> Click like when you see it. Someone had a good, good intention right there. Jesus cares. But I think a lot of times what the world is seeing is Jesus scares. And I think they're seeing a lot of it through us because we're not quite sure how to relate to a world that doesn't know Jesus or doesn't do the church thing. See, Jesus wants to reveal how much he cares for this planet through people like you and me once we realize how much he cares for us. The fear of the Lord is embracing God's holy care, not being scared of God. See, here's the thing. The fear of the Lord realizes that God is going to keep his promises, but some of God's promises involve judgment. My dad's promises to give me consequences when I didn't get with the program were a fraction of my dad keeping his promises. So fearing the Lord involves an acute awareness that God will keep his promises to remove his blessing from those <laughs> who keep stiff-arming him, which I did for many, many years. Colossians 3, 2 and 3 says, Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So the spies were hidden. Their lives were hidden under God's protection, under God's favor. They feared the Lord. They submitted to God's plan, and God was protecting them. So here we are back on the roof. Just the flax, ma'am. <laughs> I just thought of that. Okay, sorry. Uh, starting in verse 8. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. These guys were scared because they knew that it was just a matter of time before, before this land that God had promised to the Israelites was going to be taken, and these people were going to be overtaken. We are all afraid of you. But here's Rahab's conversion. She was scared, 
In fact, all of us are scared. But she turned that scared of God into the fear of the Lord, as we see. She starts recalling all of the other things that they've heard about Moses and Joshua and God's army. And we know what you did to the two Amorite kings. Yes, we do. Whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord, your God, is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. She had made a mental transition that this God is powerful and supreme in the heavens above and the earth below. Rahab began to fear the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of... I love the masks. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of... Bless you. (laughs) Wisdom. Verse 12, Rahab said, okay, fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Listen to what wisdom Rahab has here. Rahab said, now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live, along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all of their families. Why not? Hey, she fears the Lord. She knows that she's on the brink of destruction. But she has favor with the Lord through these spies. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and whoever finds wisdom receives favor from the Lord. Uh, Something that Pastor Joel and I like to do is go to the movie theater. Now, we kind of had that taken away from us for a while, but uh, this is one of our recent trips. No, that's not a Bernie Sanders meme. Um, this uh, This is us at the Palace Cinema. Joel's got the matching scarf, though, to the mittens, if you haven't noticed that. Um, I do love Joel. Joel, I'll explain what a meme is some other time, okay? Um, (laughs) We were there this Tuesday night. Sometimes they'll go after the prayer meeting on Tuesday night, you know, and we got a 9 o'clock showing or something, and we get the whole theater to ourselves, you know, and it's so great. We get over there, and... I get the tickets and take care of things. Joel gets the popcorn and the drinks, and then we kind of get, and, and I bring the blankets because, you know, at the Palace Cinema, they're not wanting to heat those places very much these days. So we get in there, and he's like, Dave, this was Tuesday night. I had some favor at the popcorn counter, and he was all excited. I'm like, tell me everything. And he's got this bucket of popcorn because we went in on this bucket that you get the free refills, and then he pulls out this bag of popcorn that they gave him on top of it just because. And uh, I'm like, well, all right. But I love the way he said it. He's like, he was excited to show me. We got favor from the popcorn counter, man. And so we each had our big old thing of popcorn, you know, so we're just having a good old time with our diet Pepsis and Popcorn, just amazed we even walked out of that place. But uh, it's just those little kisses that are like little touches of favor. But just imagine the favor of God. When you're walking with God in the fear of the Lord, his favor is upon you all the time. And it doesn't mean that life is perfect or life is amazing or that all of the things that you're praying for are going to be answered right now the way that you think they will be. But God's favor is a real thing. His favor is with the spies. The next verse, 14, we offer, this is what the men said, we offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety. Wow, that's a big deal for what Rahab did. The men agreed, if you don't betray us, we will keep our promise when the Lord gives us the land. When everyone else is destroyed, we will save you. So Rahab's wisdom was about to give her life. The fear of the Lord led to her wisdom, which asked them the question, and that wisdom yields life. And her life was about to be spared, and her family. I'm going to go ahead to the next verse, um, 17 to 19. Before they left, the men told her, 
We can guarantee your safety only if you leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window. All your family members, your father, mother, brothers, and all those other people you mentioned, all your relatives, must be here inside this house. If they go out into the street, they will be killed. And we cannot be held to our oath. But we swear that no one inside this house will be killed. Not a hand will be laid on any of them. Rahab got it. The fear of the Lord led to wisdom, which led to life, which led to favor from the Lord through these men. All she had to do was hang this little red cord out her window, which I think is symbolic of, I just, I didn't even think about this before, but the blood of Jesus, the, who is the one who saves us. I have a problem at our house. Well, I have several problems, if you ask my family members, but we have chargers that are always missing. I can't keep a charger. So I got a charger this year, a little sparkly one. And you know what's great? Nobody's taking this charger. I'm walking around everywhere I go. I'm at the coffee shop plugging in Mr. Bling right here, baby. But I have had this charger longer than any other charger that I've had. This charger is not going to be taken. That red cord that Rahab was hanging out of her window was going to be, mark her as unique and was going to be the saving factor for her life. So... I love having the power with me all the time, even though it comes at a little bit of an awkward cost when people look at me strange in public places. But probably something I should get used to. Verse 20 and 21, the men continued, if you betray us, however, we are not bound by this oath in any way. They wanted her to know, listen, lady, get with the plan, okay? Because we're going to come through and it's going to be fast. It's going to be serious, and it's going to be destructive. You've got to do things this way. She said, I accept your terms, she replied. And she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. You guys, Rahab was a prostitute. Rahab was a known sinner. The spies went to her house because she was such a sinner, and it was the place that nobody would suspect two men going into her house to hide. Her sinful life did not disqualify her from God's love, God's favor, God's wisdom, or his protection. God specializes in saving those of us who need to be rescued. Rahab needed to be rescued. Rahab was doing the work of God and the will of God, and she was seeking God's face before she was even quite sure of who he was. She feared the Lord. And God gave her wisdom and favor and protection and blessing and life. That is good news. Clear. Bless you. All right. So the time at Rahab's house is completed. We finish the chapter. Then the two spies came down from the hill country. They crossed the Jordan River, and they reported all that had happened to them. The Lord will certainly give us the whole land, they said, for all the people in the land are terrified of us. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Those who find wisdom find life and receive favor from the Lord. God's favor was not just on Joshua. God's favor was not only on Rahab. God's favor is on his children. And God's favor is upon you. I just want to read some of these verses from the Psalms and the Proverbs about favor. Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. Proverbs 9.11. Proverbs 11.27. If you search for good, you will find favor. The Lord's anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Proverbs 18.10. 
The blessing of the Lord brings true riches, and he adds no sorrow to it. Proverbs 10.22. And did you know that even Moses snuck into one of the Psalms? Moses said in Psalm 90.17, May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Moses knew what it was to fear the Lord, and Moses knew what it was like to walk in the favor of God. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. God is calling sinners. God is calling spies. And God is calling soldiers. And that is us. We are all sinners, and we need God's mercy. We are spies, and we're all checking something out. Are we checking out the right things? Are we making the right messes? Or are we just reckless and rogue for no apparent reason? And all of us are soldiers. We can advance God's kingdom. I'm going to invite the band to come back up here, if you guys would do so. And I want to pray for us. I want to pray for the sinners, the spies, and the soldiers among us. And many of us are all of those things. But you can't be God's spy if you're not saved and rescued by what Jesus has done. See, here's the deal. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And once we, the first step of wisdom is realizing that we are separated from God. God sent his son Jesus to this earth to show us his love. He died on the cross to show us God's love. And God raised him from the grave to reveal his power. His power over selfishness and sin. So Jesus came to earth to show God's love. And he rose from the dead to show us God's power. Here's the deal. We can be connected and friends with God because of what Jesus did on our behalf. Jesus became sin as a perfect expression of God's love and took the punishment that the rest of us deserved so that we could be rescued from our sin and made right with God, just as if we had never sinned. So if you want to say yes to Jesus, yeah, I know I'm a sinner. You know what's great? is a lot of us church people, we kind of forget that we're sinners. I love when people are just like, yes, I'm a sinner. I'm desperate. I need Jesus. Please, your sin doesn't disqualify you. It actually qualifies you for God's love and his power through his son, Jesus. Jesus died on the cross to take the punishment that we deserve, and he rose from the grave to prove that he has power over sin and selfishness. So I want to, can we play a little something? I just, you know, I talk better when there's a little vibe going on. I'm going to invite us to put our hands over our heart. Whether you're in this room or whether you're remotely, please participate. I'm going to pray a prayer that is a simple prayer of thanking Jesus for the cross and accepting his invitation to be rescued from our sin and to become friends with God. And if this is you, my goodness, let's pray this together. If you've already done something like this, pray it out loud and help those of us who are doing this for the first time. So let's pray together. I'm going to pray a little piece, and then you guys, if you'd like to do it, just pray it right after me. Dear Jesus, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've done a lot of dumb things. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you for coming to earth to show God's love. Thank you for showing me God's power. Forgive me of my sins. I want to be rescued. I want to be saved. I want to be friends with God. Thank you, Jesus, for making this all possible for me. Amen to that. All right. Would you stand? Some of us are spies. Some of us are soldiers. Some of us are a mix of all of them. Let's be available for whatever God has for us. Let's be willing to make messes, leaning in the direction of God, what God wants to do 
through us. Let's not become the center of attention any longer, but let's make Jesus the center of attention. As soldiers, we can advance God's kingdom. And as spies, we can go places that other people wouldn't go. I want to read one thing, and we're going to finish with a song here. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. This is what God is calling us to. This is what God is revealing to us and through us. This is the word of the Lord, the favor of God in such a time as this. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. This finale is for us. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. And so they will inherit a double portion in their land. And everlasting joy will be theirs. Can we just give the Lord a shout of hallelujah? Hallelujah. This is for you, for me, for our parents, for our brothers, for our sisters, for generations to come. Let's do it. (laughs) Amen. What we do now affects future generations. What you do internally impacts the relationships that you have and the relationships that God will open up to you. What you do in school, what you do at work, what you do as you serve people, God is going to take that and he is in the business of anointing and multiplying those things for a greater purpose than we could ever have imagined. So, as one of your pastors, I want to empower us to leave from this place, to leave from this live stream with a fresh purpose and a fresh resolve to pursue the fear of the Lord, to bask in the favor of God, and to not be afraid to make the right messes as we pursue the face of Jesus in all that we do. Because being a Christian is being like Jesus. It's not this building. It's not a system. It's not a religion. It's being like Jesus. And the world needs to see Jesus through you and me. Let it happen, God. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.